Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Riccia, and this is episode number 261 of the podcast. It's the 20th of January, 2021, as I record this intro. This week, I have a really fun conversation with Joss Golden about her family's unschooling journey. Living in Western Australia and mom to two kids, we talk about how she was inspired by her son's brief time in kindergarten to make the choice to try unschooling, what her de-schooling process looked like, and how she sees learning happening naturally as her children pursue what interests them. Joss shares how unschooling has created strong family relationships and how trust plays such a big role in their lives, both learning to trust herself and to trust her children to make their own choices and follow the path that is right for them. As a personal update, I've appreciated seeing a bit of sun this week. Sun in the winter, reflecting off the snow, can be pretty dazzling. This morning, it's very clear and crisp outside, which for me is a nicer way to say cold. (laughs) I haven't been out for a walk in the forest for a couple of weeks, so I'm paying more attention to notice the space to do that. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for, for the hosting and the transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the growing podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Joss. Welcome. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Joss Golden. Hi, Joss. Hi, Pam. Nice to meet you. So nice to meet you. We were introduced through a recent guest on the podcast, so I am really excited to learn more about your unschooling journey. So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family and what everybody's interested in right now? Okay, so my family consists of my husband, Kamal, and myself, and our two kids. Sol is 17, and Jada is 14. Um, And we've been living in Australia. We live in a quiet little corner in the south of Western Australia in a little town where we've been for um, 10 years. We moved out from the UK 19 years ago to emigrate to Australia, so... um, we're relatively new in this neck of the woods, but um, so Sol is about to get his driving test. So at the moment, he is most interested in cars and he knows he's just learned everything about the different makes and the models and the engines and turbos and fuel efficiency <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. He, um, he plays guitar. He's really into music. Um loves listening to music and he knows loads about music and like um yeah so um he likes hanging out with his friends going to the beach surfing um playing computer games um and 
yeah, just sort of standard teenage stuff, really. Um, Jada is 14 and she's into uh, lots of things too. She's into um, health and wellness and fitness. She's what she's quite interested in the moment. She loves going to the beach. She loves drama and performance and dance. She's always involved in something around that kind of thing. She likes reading, although she came to reading really late, but she now loves it. Um, Snapchat, TikTok, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. She plays basketball. They both actually play in a homeschool basketball team and she particularly really loves it. And she loves cooking. She's got a very clever and refined sense of taste and she understands flavours really well. Um, They both did martial arts and have black belts in taekwondo, but that finished last year and they don't do anything like that anymore. They kind of finished and were over it. So that was it. Uh, Kamal is a beekeeper and he has a honey business and uh, he's really interested in sort of sustainable living and organic gardening and that kind of thing. He built our beautiful home for us. We've got this gorgeous straw bale house that he built. And um, so our veggie patch is a bit neglected actually at the moment, but he's really, that's his passion. He's really into that. Um, he loves pottery. He decided he's going to do a welding course, which is a bit random, but that's the latest thing he wants to do. He's into politics and history and that kind of thing. And uh, he's a member of the Bushfire Brigade as well. And I am, I'm really passionate about aware parenting, which we'll probably discuss further on in the piece. Um, and I've just, about nine months ago, I did a breathwork course and I've been studying lots about that recently. I like dancing and health and wellness too. Um, and spending time with my beautiful family and my friends and going to the beach. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> I, I love these snapshots of different families because it just, it sounds just so rich, right? And I know sometimes it can't, when you're in the thick of it, it, it doesn't feel like that, like until you step back a bit. But listen to all those little pieces for each of them. Like you can see their personality shining through. You can see them, you know, where they where they want to engage out in the world. You can see them out there like hanging at the beach and surfing and sharing music with friends, you know, and their Taekwondo and their theater and all that kind of stuff. And you also see the stuff they do on their own as well. All that car research the cooking, like all the various pieces, you can just see or envision such a beautiful flow in their lives. And with you and your husband too, right? How that flows in and you have your own unique interests alongside. So it's just a beautiful snapshot of, of a family just engaging in life and in the world side by side, right? Yeah. That is so beautiful. So I would be very curious to know how you discovered unschooling and what your family's move to unschooling looked like. Um, Okay. Well, I sort of just, we kind of just, well, we don't really describe ourselves as anything, but if we were going to describe ourselves, we'd probably describe ourselves as natural learners. But um, Kamal and I had very traditional school experience. I was at boarding school from the age of eight didn't have the best 
time didn't it didn't really um I didn't learn very well in that environment um but we both went on to uni and we've both done postgraduate studies so we were very schooled and traditionally educated um and when I was at uni I, I studied psychology first of all and I got really interested in attachment and attachment parenting and I read um, the continuum concept by Jean Didloff and got really really interested in that and so when my kids came along we were initially really into attachment parenting and closeness and you know, co-sleeping and my daughter was born at home and all that kind of thing um, and then where shortly after my second child my daughter was born we discovered um, aware parenting which was um, founded by Alisa Salter in America and it was like a really life-changing discovery for us and um, it's sort of a style parenting plus um, some some things so I mean it's a lot about um, sort of democratic um, parenting and not having punishments and rewards and um, but also it's got a big piece around stress and distress being causes of um, behaviors for children and um, the healing effects of playing and laughter and cry, as well as crying in a supported loving environment for children so and a, and a big sort of thing about acceptance of, of all of children whoever however they're showing up in that moment so that sort of all led itself really naturally to homeschooling but we were we sent my son initially to kindy um, at this alternative family community school where we were living um, but he wasn't really ready for school and he wanted us to stay with him. So at twice a week, I spent two days a week at school with my little daughter in a sling and running around and things. Um, and we kept sort of discovering homeschooling, but not quite having the courage to take the plunge. And then one day at the school, I found a book um, written by Alan Thomas called Educating a Child at Home. And it was in this book for sale to raise funds for the school. And I thought, well, that's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> that's clearly a sign from the universe that we should be doing this. So um, at the beginning of his um, pre-primary year, we pulled him out of school. And we were very lucky. We quickly got um, together with a community of very supported and like-minded homeschoolers. And we'd always both worked part-time. So ever since the kids were born, we'd shared after them. So it fitted our life really easily just to then go to having them at home with us all the time. Um, and then the more that um, parenting became focused on like connection and, and our relationship and the importance of, of trust and intrinsic motivation and all those sorts of things, the easier it was just to... to to uh, let go of, of all of those ideas about what learning should be and how learning should look and instead to just realize that this was the right path for us and I dove really deep because that's how I'd like to do it and I read like a million books I read books on natural learning and unschooling and I read some books on de-schooling which was really ironic but I had to do it I had to really study how I was going to homeschool um and, you know, very quickly watching the kids um, in growing up in this really free and relaxed way, it was really obvious that this just suited our family really well. And, um, yeah, it just became an organic, self-directed, conversation-based life process. 
And we all just wanted to be together. You know, the, the kids didn't want to be at school. They wanted to be at home with us. They were still, um, you know, wanting that closeness. So it seemed the sensible thing to do. And that's how it's been. We haven't really looked back. So <laughs> that, that's how it was. I love I love that. It just seemed to be the sensible thing to do because you were paying attention, right? You yeah. were actually, you know, looking at your family. You were actually thinking for yourselves. You were you were seeing how even those two days at the school um, were playing out for you guys. You valued the relationships, you know, yeah. more of the conventional messages that were you so that was just a beautiful evolution of you what made sense for you guys right yeah and it was funny because at school I would see them engaged in this amazing play where they're all sort of cooperating and 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 with stands and building stuff and really loads and sharing loads and then even at this beautiful alternative child-centered school it would still be the kids would be pulled away from that activity because it was time to sit down and read a book. And and um, my son actually said to me um, quite early on that he hated school. And I said, oh, why do you hate school? And he said, I hate being teached. And um, that was, <laughs> that summed it up really and, and has summed it up ever since. <laughs> they really are so capable of seeing what's going on. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's dive into that piece because when people first hear about unschooling and natural learning, um, they often find it really hard to imagine how learning happens without teaching and without a yeah. curriculum, right? Yeah. But it truly, truly does. So I would love to hear a bit more about how you've seen learning naturally unfold with your kids. Okay, well, um, I think when you're when you're in a classroom and you've got 30 kids and you have to keep them busy all day and and um, you know it's, it can information can only really be presented in in a few ways mostly in a, in a written form um, and it's I understand why lots of effort and energy has gone into creating curriculums for that purpose but when you learn at home it's it's so different and. I mean, our, we just provided our kids with a really rich learning environment and facilitated whatever they were interested in doing from the beginning and tried to kind of support them but get out of the way at the same time. And, um, yeah, much, mo- much of our learning just happened through conversation and on the go through living. And so... Um, so when we were building our house, for example, there were thousands of learning opportunities that went on throughout that whole process. Um, and we have just had lots of, of conversations about all kinds of things. And the kids were on um, screens and, and looking, playing games and watching things. And we um, just allowed them to – we used to read lots of books to them and stories and then slowly – um my both my son also started reading quite late um if he'd still been at if he'd still been at school at that time it would have been an issue and there would have been conversations and special lessons and all the rest of it but um 
he went from pretty much not reading to fully reading in the space of a few months. And that's just his style. Like when he's ready for something, he just goes. But but pushing it before he's ready is just doesn't work with him. That's his personality. Um, and my daughter also started reading late. She really struggled with reading. She didn't understand phonetics, really. Well, she, she understood it, but it, she just couldn't make it all work. So, um, but now she reads, you know, for pleasure and she loves it. And, you know, so and my son went through stages where he reads a lot. And then he also goes through stages where he doesn't really read at all in terms of, you know, books and fiction. But their everyday life involves so much reading and writing and just, just their social interactions online and Snapchatting and Instagramming requires quite high levels of reading and writing. So, um, Do you mind hop in there for one second? Yeah. <clears throat> I think people would enjoy stopping for a second with the reading thing because the point you made earlier about how schools, um, you know, they really are with the curriculum and the reading and writing is really um, one of the best ways for that environment for learning, for teaching to happen. Right. Yeah. But outside of that, um, the reading late or later or, you know, having that yeah. time, whatever, but it doesn't affect they're learning, does it? Because they learn in so many different ways. And then, like you were saying, like as they get older, they come across situations um, where they're just kind of immersed in reading. And, you know, we're helping them when they're not reading yet, whether it's, you know, reading games or Instagram, once they get to social media, like all those pieces, they really are just surrounded by it and putting that puzzle together just takes as long as it takes for each of them and when there isn't a you know shame and and a timeline and a year late message wrapped all around it it when it comes right absolutely absolutely and I think that that then frees you yeah, when you're free of all that stuff and all of those sort of um, expectations that all children have to be doing the same thing at the same stage, otherwise there's something wrong with you. It's um, it's not a very helpful message. And, uh, yeah, being free from that was really helpful for my kids, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it really doesn't slow down their learning at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Not Outside all. the classroom. Because in the classroom, it's obvious to them every moment of the day, right, that they're challenged with that. Yeah. And, yeah. and then all the special ed pieces come in and all that. That's um, right, which is, which is a really unhelpful. Yeah. And if you look at your kids now, you they're reading when they want. They're reading for pleasure. You would never know yeah. at what age they learn to read, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, my daughter recently got a job in a cafe about six months ago, and her most of their writing had been online. Um, sorry, not online, on computers, yeah. or on you know on uh, laptops or you know iPads or phones or whatever. So this was really one of the first times that she'd been handwriting because she had to take orders and so on in the cafe. So for a few days before, she just sat down and she chose to sit down write down all the different names of all the different types of coffee and tea and and practice writing them and that was like a really functional thing that she was motivated to do 
and her writing improved so much in a really short period of time and didn't involve any sort of sitting down and, and, and whipping to, you must write and you must practice writing and, you know, any, it was just, it just happened organically and naturally and that's just been true of so many things that they've learned and I mean we're there and we're supplementing all the time and we're giving them exposure to all kinds of things and you know we have um, lots of group we have a, a learning group I organize lots of activities locally for homeschool kids and we have a group that meets every fortnight at my house and we do different topics and the mums will take turns to do presentations on various things and we just ask the kids what they're interested in learning and then to present that material with a few other things thrown in. And so we do uh, courses and things too. And my son last year decided they might want to go to TAFE, which is like the technical sort of university. It's not university, but it's like, you know, the technical college here. He was thinking about maybe doing that next year. And so in order to get into TAFE, you have to do this um, you have to have this online literacy and numeracy assessment certificate in Australia. Um, so decided we decided that he was going to do that. And so he, we spent six months, we bought a course, and he did it very infrequently, but maybe a couple of sessions a week. Um, and I was helping him a little bit to start with but by the end of it he was really independent with it and then and he passed and that's it and it was interesting because that was sort of um there were three sections one was maths just sort of practical maths um and one was writing where you had to do like a persuasive text and one was a reading thing where you had multiple choice questions um and he he was totally fine with it and um yeah covered covered the whole lot in a in a short period of time because he was motivated mostly um to do it and now it's done and that's it and he's decided he probably doesn't want to go to TAFE actually next year and that's okay too so um yeah it's been when they've been motivated to learn things that's that's been it has it, that's been the easiest um and they've both had jobs as well which I think has just provides so many learning opportunities um, I, that is, those are such great examples of <clears throat> like what we're talking about, like natural learning that just unfolds because, you know, when there's a reason for it in their lives and it doesn't matter the age, right? Yeah. Yeah. When something comes up, when something comes up and there's a reason for them to learn something to, you know, to pick up a skill that, yeah hasn't crossed their path or they haven't been interested in before per se, right? Like the, for example, or the learning for that, the specific skills for that specific test. But when those things came into their lives, the job and the, the possibility of going to college, you know, is they can do those pieces along the way because they've got a reason. It's not because you'll need this someday. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, look, it's crossed my path now. Now I will play with it. I'll focus on it, which leads us so nicely to our next question because another thing that can trip people up when they're moving to unschooling is the idea of kids choosing what they do with their time. Mm -hmm. In that, they worry that kids won't do hard things if they don't have to, right? Because 
that's what we see in kids in school, right? Because they will avoid things because they're forced to do so many things. So we take the message we take away from that is if we didn't force them, they wouldn't do it. Right. So it's really hard to do that, to take that paradigm shift and see that kids and teens will truly choose to do hard things on their own. And you mentioned it earlier too, that intrinsic motivation, but it really is powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, um, I learned so much. I was really inspired by, um, well, Alisa Salter's um, work, but also Alfie Cohen and John Holt. And I read lots about this when we were first starting all around this sort of not having punishments and rewards in the family. This was way before we started looking at learning. But um, I was recently reminded of a really beautiful John Holt quote, which I think just sums it up beautifully. And he said, um, we destroy the love of learning in children, which is so strong when they are small, by encouraging and compelling them to work for petty and contemptible rewards, gold stars, papers marked 100 and tacked to the wall, A's on report cards or honor rolls or dean's lists. In short, for the ignoble satisfaction of feeling that they are than someone else. And I thought, yes, that's so true. Oh, true. So true. And ah. when kids instead are allowed to just um, go through the process gradually and gently by themselves, where they can see improvement in themselves compared to themselves, yes. it becomes, it just becomes a completely different thing. And I, I really feel like learning happens when the kids' basic needs are met. And that's for my children, that's when for all children probably, that's to be in like a really safe and loving environment where they're supported, where they're allowed lots of choice um, and where they're free to just explore what they want, not being bribed into things with rewards or any of that, but actually, or, or worse, actually, the threat of punishments looming large. Um, but just free to to explore things um, in their own way. And like my daughter always says, I, 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 it's so much nicer to tidy up my room when I choose that I want to have a tidy room rather than when you're nagging me to do it. And that's true of learning too. Yeah. So. Oh, I love that quote. I love that quote because as you were reading it, you just I'm just imagining, you know, in, in, from my experience as a child and, you know, posting up the the a right celebrating yeah. celebrating the hundred celebrating whatever yeah. certificate you know and, and the focus on that and how that's that's just a symbol it's not actual life it's not an actual accomplishment per se yet when they want to accomplish actually something in their life yeah like like the job, like the like the test for the college, like those are just great examples that come up again and show that they I I because I'm hesitating because I just remember so many stories of my kids too when they are interested, they almost don't even think of it as learning. Like yeah. you know, it's just oh, I wanna check out my handwriting before I show up at the job. Let's just, you know, make sure I can read my own handwriting or whoever yeah. needs to read it can read it it's it's not I held up against some perfection tablet but yeah. just what I need to accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish which is do well at my job right like, yeah 
that really just pulls them to do the things. And the learning along the way is most often incidental, right? Because yeah. They're, yeah. they're just wanting to accomplish whatever their goal is. And your point about them comparing to themselves, that is huge. That was a big paradigm shift for me too when I realized because sometimes I'd see my kids doing like really cool stuff. Right. And I'd almost be, I'd be impressed by it. And I'd say, that's cool. And they're like, whatever, you know, because (laughs) it's just them doing their thing. They see on their journey. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that other people can or can't or whatever, because they're doing it for themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And conversely, of course, if, if you're really reliant on these sort of external things to be marking your worth, then you also have the problem when you don't match those standards. And that was my story at school uh, frequently, you know, not, not trying hard enough, don't, not doing well enough, could do better, all that kind of thing. And that has such a detrimental effect too. Whereas if you're just allowed to explore explore and enjoy what you what you want to do and be be um motivated by by your own desire inside and not not compared to anybody else's standard then it's just a much better way and I mean I've seen so many times I've seen my kids devote lots of hours to things and considerable effort into learning things and um, and they don't think of it as learning and like my, my son for example who's really into music he has probably I don't know, a few thousand songs on his phone and really eclectic, broad music taste. But we play this game quite often where I play him the first five seconds of a song and he has to tell me who, it, who it's by and, and what the song is. And, I mean, he can identify pretty much every one of his 2,000 songs within five seconds. Now, I mean, I, can't, I couldn't do that. And for me to learn to do that would be considerable work and effort but he's really interested in it. He really loves it. So he's done it. And yeah, it's just, yeah. That's it's right. And it probably hard. doesn't feel that impressive to him. It's just a thing, no. right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I do. And I, that's another piece too that I love. You know, tying it back to the learning we were talking about earlier is you come to see the value in all learning, not just the learning yeah. that would be in a curriculum, right? It yeah. all has value to them as they become the person they want to be all these pieces that are interesting to them that they you know dive into for hours and hours and hours those are all fascinating bits and pieces of them as a person and that's what they'll bring with them forward right those are the pieces that are going to continue to um engage with them as you know even as different interests and things come up so often wow. when you look back you can see the threads of you know something that he loved about learning all about that music all the different kinds of music and the different kinds of artists whether or not he's literally in a music career I bet you know as he moves forward you'll see threads right that tie to all that interest and that time he spent and the skills that he built up around that right yeah yeah and it's not like it's seeing learning not as a means to an end but just as 
just as a, a just as life actually isn't it and um Kamal and I found our passions really quite late in life we were in our 40s before we discovered the things that we're really passionate about now so I mean there are times when my son sort of says oh, I don't really know what I want to do I'm not I'm not sure I don't have a clear direction yet and then we just model that that's okay because you know it it took us a long time to to find out where we want to go so where we wanted to go so um that's that's fine yeah no I love that that's such an important piece too because I remember when my daughter was so interested in photography like at 13 14 15 everybody outside wants to oh she's going to be a photographer oh she's going to be that that it has to lead somewhere but No, all those pieces just they bubble together, right? And yeah. it, we don't need to know what the next thing is. Like I am in that right now, you know. What 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 else am I interested in? What and it's not till after when you kind of like when you follow what's interesting and what's fun for you, that's when you start to you start to end up with things that um, value what you've enjoyed before because you're not changing wholeheartedly as a person. You know, you're often we don't do big, not, I'm a completely different person with completely different interests all of a sudden, right? We yeah. leave all those pieces together. So that's why I'm just always so curious to see where each of us is going to go next. Cause, cause you really never know, do you? No. And it can change any minute. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I would love to know what you found to be one of the more challenging aspects of de-schooling for you. I was hoping you could share a bit about your journey through that. Um, well, I, I think the hard, one of the hardest things for us and for everybody else who I know, all my local, <laughs> lovely, beautiful tribe, um, I think is just, the overwhelm sometimes in life of trying to do the job of, of many, you know, we are, my husband and I both work part-time. We both run a business and we uh, run a farm and we try to grow some of our own food and we, you know, homeschooling the kids and all the rest of it. So, you know, we're really, that's the hardest thing. You know, if your kids are in school all day, you've got a lot of time on your hands to, to work or to, do all the other things that you want to do. So that's, but in terms of actual unschooling, um, I think the most challenging thing has been the moments where we second guess ourselves and where we lose the trust. And that does happen from time to time. I have my moments where, um, well, we both do, where we're just like, shit, no one's learning anything. Oh my God, this is, you know, we should be, they should be doing this. And when the should start creeping, Yes. Um, that's that's the hard times. Um, when you're doing something very different to what everybody else is doing, when you're, you know, when you're the wider community, your family, they're all, they all think we're nuts and you're doing things differently. So there are times when you think, well, actually, is this really a good idea? <laughs> um, and I think that's the hardest thing. But then... You know, our kids, then then we just look at our kids and they're so eloquent and they're so relaxed and they're so, um, you know, they're so balanced and they're so happy. 
and they are, you know, they are compassionate people and they show empathy to other people. And I just think, I mean, I know so many children, I mean, it's not just true of school kids, of course, but I do know lots of people who whose kids are at school who are really having big struggles and, and big issues with you know mental health problems and, and all that kind of thing. And so when I just see my kids are um uh, it's very quick that we get back to a, a trusting place again. Oh, that is so fascinating to hear. And I love, you know, we were introduced recently, um, but, and we're on, you know, different sides of the world. <laughs> Yet I have discovered so much exactly the same thing. Like there are going to be times when we question and the using the word should in my language, even if just in my head is yeah. such a great clue that I'm starting to slip out, um, that I'm starting to let fear kind of guide what I'm thinking and I'm projecting it into the future. And it's looking to my kids that brings me back so quickly. Then all of a sudden you're looking big picture and, and you're realizing, no, look at these wonderful beings right here, right? Even, even in their hard times, even in our hard times, you can see them working through things. You can see them, you know, actively engaging, understanding themselves so much more than we did at that, right? Their ability to make choices, to try things out. And for the most part, how happy they are, even in the hard times, right? They wouldn't make different choices because they're making the best best choice for them in that moment and seeing how yeah. it unfolds, even when it's maybe frustrating, even when it's maybe disappointing. But there's that kind of underlying joy or happiness just because they have autonomy over their life, right? They really yeah. have that freedom to choose what it yeah. is they're going to do and they have our loving support yeah right? so, oh, yeah it's so yeah. here that's gotta feel good that's really gotta feel good <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh that's amazing so what has surprised you most so far about how this path has unfolded in your lives um well, I'm always surprised by how people don't understand what we do because we've been doing it for so long now. I, it just, I always just get confused when people say to me things like, um, oh, the whole socialization question or, um, you know, oh, it's school holidays now. Do you give your kids a break when yes, you're in school yes. holidays? Do you stop learning during school holidays and things? So that's that's was a bit of a surprise, but I'm used to it now. Um, I think just I'm, I, I'm surprised and overjoyed at, at the beautiful um, quality of the, the relationship and connection that we have with our children. That just gives me joy every day. It really does. I think, you know, choosing to homeschool and, and, and spend lots of time together, um, just like you were just saying, it, it lets our kids know that, that they're really loved and that we want to be with them and that they are free to just be themselves in all of their own unique awesomeness and um, that we really delight in their company. And um, I think that, yeah, our, our relationships just 
amazing. And I, I really, I mean, I know plenty of people who go to school also have good relationships, but there's something about the quality of the relationship when it's really based on this sort of idea where we are just allowing them to be who they are and to they can bring anything to me. And I've seen them in all of their their rage and their frustration and their delight and their joy and, you know, everything um, is, is safe for them to be who they are. Um, so that's, that's something that I've, I've really loved. I've really loved that. And, mm-hmm. and just trust, like we were saying before about trust. I've learned so much about trusting myself, trusting my kids, and then my kids through that have learned to trust themselves. Like they're so much more, they're, they're, they're so much better at trust than I am. Um, I have to work at it, whereas they, it really just comes pretty naturally to them to trust themselves. And it's so important now that they're becoming teenagers and they're going out into the world and they're starting to have, you know, relationships and, and go to parties and be exploring, you know, all, all of those things. Mm-hmm. To to do that from a place where you really trust your own voice that's inside you is is amazing, amazing for their well-being and, and for their um, happiness. I, I didn't have any of that. I never listened to, you know, I had no um, inner guidance that I ever listened to and there was there was just no trust, you know. There's that idea that it's, it's really hard to teach our kids. I think that's a John Holt quote as well, actually, about, it, all we really need to do is trust our kids, but actually that's really difficult because we weren't taught to trust ourselves, and so it's it's a hard process. But um, it's really important, I think. Yeah. Wow. I love all those pieces. <laughs> you you. I don't even want to talk now because you said them all so beautifully. Like those are the cornerstones, and it is so surprising. Like the importance and the value of trust is something we learn through our kids, right? Yeah. Because it isn't something that we grew up with. We don't didn't know how to trust ourselves. We so often <clears throat> our inner voice was squashed because other people were telling us what we should be thinking and what we should, the choices that we should be making, right? Um, yeah. And and all those pieces uh, just weren't part of our lives. And it was just so interesting to me that I would learn them through watching my kids, right? Yeah. Through being with my kids. It's just so beautiful. And having no idea when we started, because I pulled my kids from school and um, had no idea the relationships that were in store, right? It, at, at first, it was just about learning, you know, learning in the classroom at school wasn't working. We're going to try this at home. And then through that journey, the relationships that developed, uh, letting them be, giving them the space and the support to be who they are as unique individuals was just amazing. And I love your word, delightful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, not always. Of course, we have our moments where there's nothing delightful in my family. <laughs> but the, the thing is, is what you learn through those moments is that those are moments, right? Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. they're moments that last a few days, a few weeks, whatever, but that you come through them, that there is another side. Even if you can't see the light at the other end of the tunnel, per, you know, yeah. that metaphor, when, when you're in the thick of it, 
Yeah. Over time, you see the foundation of those relationships that we built will carry us through and there will be another side, even if we don't know when we're going to get there, right? That foundation yeah. of those relationships and that trust and that understanding of ourselves just gets us through there each time, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and I love the fact with um, yeah, much, much of this subconscious parenting, um, the idea of, of when it all goes wrong and it's all horrible and you respond in a way that is not in line with your values at all to your kids, which we all inevitably do sometimes. But there's this lovely um, skill that I learned about just re- rewinding and repairing and reconnecting with the children and just, you know, making it good again. So even, even like you say, when those, those moments are difficult, there's always, um, there's always gifts in that too, even when it's all looking ugly and yuck. <laughs> And I think that's something that um, is valuable too for people, you know, for, and it took a long time for me to understand too. Like, like you said, there are, there's good that comes out of those moments, but just knowing that those moments are okay. Like it's not, we're wrong and we're bad because we have a moment where maybe we act outside of our values in that time, right? Because we can go and repair so much value is in the repair. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not in the idea of trying to be perfect. Yeah. And even yeah. temptations, those should times, those fear times. I'm not wrong, bad on doing, doing things wrong because those moments happen. Those moments are going to happen in our lives. It's, it's the understanding the clues so that we can more quickly realize when something ha- like that happens and we can find out what works for us to help us move through those moments again. Like we were both talking about, we found reconnecting with our kids to be so valuable to help us ground again in, yeah. in our lives and in what we're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the difference between like forcing your kids to say, sorry, like we never, we never made our kids say sorry, but now whenever anything happens, they always, um, will we will always come back to that and they will always want to reconnect and want to say you know apologize too and it's it's that it's that intrinsic motivation again I think isn't it yeah 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 yeah. and and just that foundation of relationships are are valuable for all of us right oh yeah so like they've seen us come back reconnect apologize when we feel an apology um makes sense in that situation right our story that those things happen it's that the whole story thing you know it's not an admission of guilt or anything but it as in you know a judgmental thing it's a reconnecting thing like I know I did something out of character I am sorry about that you know and they see it in action and they see the value of it and they so often take it on themselves right because it makes sense it's not a thing that you have to do it's a choice but it is a really valuable reconnecting choice right yeah yeah oh I think um the only other thing that um I'm surprised about is how um, motherhood is um I really see it now as a very radical act of um that's going to change the world and you know we're in such a mess in the world at the moment and I really feel like um, conscious parenting and homeschooling too. I mean, not exclusively homeschooling, but I think that's a really big part of it is um, 
such an important it's going to play such an important role in, in, in shifting the world to be a better place and to have to raise resilient and um, balanced and happy children who are able to bring a pretty urgent change to the world um, in terms of you know how they treat each other and how they treat the planet and, and everybody on it and I think having kids who are like really connected to their authentic selves and, and they're loving and they're cooperative and they're psychologically well if they've been treated with love and trust and respect and, and choice and so on um, you know it, it means means a good things for the world and I think like when we first started homeschooling in this way there really weren't that many people um, teaching their kids and not you know, having their kids in this way and, and same with conscious parenting and I feel like it's really growing a lot and that's 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 a great thing that's a really great thing that is such a wonderful point too because as our kids get older and you start to see them on the world you see the ripples right mm -hmm you know, with their friends and how they treat other people and how they engage with them just yeah. so much more openly yet in their, in their knowledge of themselves, you know, their inner voice, all those pieces. So, yeah, yeah. I love that point. It's, it is so different for our kids than it was even for us. Like what a shift in one generation you can make. Yeah. It's a lot of work for us, right? It's so much of our personal work to, to yeah. do that. But it is such a big change just between those generations, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my you could they couldn't get a bigger contrast than my education and theirs. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're so different. They're so much more um, happy and balanced and intelligent and connected to their selves than I was it you know I I was I was 40 before I felt even vaguely in that direction and they they're already they're already there so yeah it's a good thing oh I love that so much and thank you so much, Joss, for taking the time to speak with me in your later evening time. <laughs> I really appreciate it. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was such a pleasure to meet you, Pam. Thank you very much. Oh, you are so welcome. And before we go, uh, where might people connect with you online? Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah so that's, that's fine. The easiest way. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll share the links to those in the show notes. So if ever, anybody wants to connect, that would be awesome. Thank, yeah, thank you, you so much, Josh. Have a wonderful sleep when you get there. <laughs> have, a, have a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes the conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.